Thanks for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more programmes, visit brumradio.com. Imagine yourself as one of the crew of this faster-than-light spaceship of the future, sharing their curiosity to know the unknown, their tension, their readiness for inconceivable adventures. Baffling questions, astounding questions, that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer. Computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. You are listening to Geeky Brummy. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Brummy podcast. Hello, Keith Bloomfields. Excuse me for um, pausing there. He was I was I was mid I was mid slurp. Yeah. Good mo- good 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 morrow. Were you drinking someone else's milkshake? I was drinking it all up. Yeah. Even though I did like that. Hello, Guy Helford. Leave my milkshake alone. <laughs> Philip Ellis is off being a international tweeter slash jet setter. So an international tweeter. Yes. That's a hell of a title. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be his new Instagram profile status. Is that the Verve's kind of uh, comeback single? <laughs> <laughs> the tweets don't work. They just make it worse. <laughs> Do you remember when that got to number one? sad song to get to number one and Cattle yeah. of the Wind hadn't come out yet so we're like, oh yeah this is kind of sad it's all about like drug use but you know it's kind of like it's kind of sad so it'll make us think about Diana well the thing is what's his face Richard I can never remember his surname Ashcroft Ashcroft never earns a penny from that song because all the royalties go to the Rolling Stones because they successfully sued him really yeah so every single time that song is played he earns nothing what, so what, wait what? what happened because he ripped off a Rolling Stones track which Stones track I can't remember it now, but you know the violin bit at the start? Okay. That's off a Stones track. Yeah. It was quite a famous news story at the time. I'm surprised you don't know this, Mr. Musically. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I, I can give or take the verve. They're kind of boring, but they're kind of good. I think it's the same thing we have with Fatboy Slim, because when he released... That, what kind of comparison is that? No, Fat but Boy when... Slim it, to the verve, that's a hell of a jump. See, when he Slim. released his big, big hit, remember his original first big hit? Yeah, Rockefeller Skank. Yes, he earned nothing for that song. Because you had to give everything away in royalties. Yeah. So you had to give every, I think it was five people, you had to give 20% royalties each to them. So we had nothing off that song. But he got a really successful album off the back of it. That's true. So he made more money on the album than he would have probably made on the single. And it started his musical career off. And then he started Zo- dating Zoe Ball. I played that song on a DJ set the other night, and honestly, like no, nobody's been up and dancing. So I played that, and then everybody got up. It's kind of like, what was it about the Rockefeller Skank which got everybody going? It's ripping off other people's music. Yeah. Well, yeah. do you know what it reminds me of the? Is it the home base advert now though? Which is it's a really annoying. I bought the the song which is the predominant sample of that. You know, like, ding, 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 ding. I can't remember the name of the song. <laughs> Thank you for that musical <laughs> reference. <Right. laughs> um, but I bought that song. Then the week the, the home base advert came out, and I thought, well, I can't DJ with this now because we're just going to think of the home base advert. It's just like that, that Peter Bjorn and John song, Young Folks. You know, dun 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 dun. You could throw it. You could. I'm sorry. Your DJ sets would be insane if you midway you threw in home, home base. base. Like nobody would be expecting that. Catch well, them all off guard. Like You're now s- listening to the non dulcet tones of Callan Danes. Welcome <laughs> to the Yes, thank you for introducing me. If home base wants to sponsor me and Captain Kurt the Von Frontier DJ sets, then you go ahead. I don't think it's the perfect combination, but now you know, we'll put some paints on the site, pop up paint. If they want to sponsor Geeky Brummy, I mean 
home base DIY cosplay. Well, like it's, it's the same thing with Feel It Still. That seems to be everywhere now because it got reused in an advert. What's it? What? That what? Feel It Still. That really high pitched screaming Jake. Oh, I can't remember the name of it now. A really skinny guy with a mustache. Describes a, lot of, describes, a lot of, <laughs> describes a lot of people in the coffee shop this yeah. morning. It's that one that goes rebel like it's 1966 now. Yeah. I'm going to find this song now. Why, 19, why 1966? I'm though? going to find the song. See, all I can think about is Jive Bunny. <laughs> I don't Type know. I... Away on the computer now is Ryan Parrish. Google mm-hmm. Extraordinaire. <laughs> Portugal the Man. Oh, this song. Still means nothing. Which we're going to have an advert probably. Oh, one This song is terrible. And, and now on every single advert ever. Oh. Have you not heard this? We're we're contributing to him by playing him now. Gotta keep talking over the top of it. Yeah, because well, yeah. we're we're we're, we're, it's we're social we are critiquing this song yes. mainly because it's been used in every single advert ever, and, and it's, it's terrible. Two E song. Oh, I know yeah. that. I know what the two E adverts that completely rip off La La Land like yeah. so badly. <laughs> what? Like even the woman has a gap in her teeth, like Emma Stone. <laughs> I mean, it's like, come on. But but it's to Shaka Khan as well. It's yeah. not even like a great song. But then they, they, <laughs> but, uh, kind of sponsored the shows on Sky, and they've stopped doing the ones with the advertisement mm-hmm. and the singing now. And now it's Angelo from um, Shooting Stars doing it, which is slightly bizarre. <laughs> Him with the carrier bag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's appearing on on Tui ads. Yeah, weirdly. So we've on Gogglebox because we've been quite like watching that. It's swapped from Owen Plans on a Friday. Yeah, night. <laughs> Owen Wilson flogging sofas wow. to now the guy from the GTEC adverts. The one with a really brummy accent. You know, like the GTEC sweepers? It's the guy oh, who owns the company. Yeah. Uh, not as good as a shark. No. Apparently, according to QVC. I'd say it's always... Henry for life. Henry is the only vacuum that anyone needs. Let's talk about this, because Callan Danes obviously is an infant. And <laughs> um, he p- put down that he was going to an event where take your Henry to the park day. Do you even know what a Henry is? I had a Henry at my last house, and I love it. Henry Hoover is like, it holds like a special place in my heart. It's, why don't, why don't oh, I hang on a minute, I know what he's been using that Hoover for. <laughs> <laughs> is this for how you got your love bites on your neck in school? <laughs> do they do bagless Henry? Though? No. No, because I can't see the point of that, not doing a bagless Henry. Because I'd, I'd get one if it was bagless. Because I've never known anybody my entire life empty a Hoover bag. Yeah. It annoys me because the female Henry is called Hetty, not Henrietta. It's like, if we're going to call it something, at least keep with the naming nomenclature. And do do the different coloured Henrys denominate different purposes? I think Nunu from the uh, Teletubbies <laughs> escaped <laughs> from the Henry factory. She is like on the run from the rest of the Henry organisation. It's what they look like, like when the they're first born and yeah. then they're kind of squished into a Henry shape. Yeah. What's that? Oh, you've, I was going to say you had them up. There was a weird grey one. What's the weird grey one? Shall we talk about? Shall we go to the Henry Range? Oh, there's a Henry Range. I know there's at least three. Oh, we get pink so one, we want the yellow one from Home Base and Henry at the moment. This is just a Hoover with like eyes stuck on it, right? Yes, there's Henry, Hetty, Harry, James. What? <laughs> Who's Harry? Thomas, Percy, Thomas the Toby, <laughs> Charles, George. Who are Harry, and Charles, royal, and George? Royal family of uh, of Hoovers. When's Megan being released? Yes. Harry apparently is the younger brother. 
How can you have a younger brother? brother? He's specially designed for pet hair. Specially, I bet he's specially designed. James is sunshine yellow, and he has a handy candy top which allows you to store your cable. Nice. Don't all the Henrys have storage? And he has a HEPA filter as well. (laughs) Charles is both a wet and dry vacuum cleaner. <laughs> we he were... plays for both sides in the vacuuming world. <laughs> we uh, we had a Henry when we were at uni. I think it's a standard university issue thing. But yeah. as a revenge for a joke that um, me and my housemate Dave um, pulled on somebody who we lived with, I'm not going to name his name. He decided it was a good idea to pour oil all over, like cooking oil all over the Henry, as a oh, revenge no. revenge on me. But it affected everybody. So our Henry got ruined by a fool who poured cooking oil all over it. I mean, ours got broken whilst drunk and sort of got thrown <laughs> out. Well, of your vacuum heart. got drunk. Henry was drunk. Just <laughs> like we got Henry drunk. Um, hey, going I'm going to hoover up these drawing pins. Yeah. Well, no, and I think a part of him got thrown out of the window and never got brought back <laughs> again. We were part of him. <laughs> Only we, just like his like arm, like missed... his arm, nose, nozzle what, thing, what, the what, sucking bit. What kind of party? Is where, where a bit of Henry gets chipped out the window. It's a student party. Anyway, we've missed out on the last one, which is George. George is a three-in-one, apparently. Hey. <laughs> the transforming, apparently, with a smiling green face and power flow pump, Tritex filtration, safety float valve, and a large wet and dry capacity, this vacuum really has it all. Oh, that wow. has turned me on beyond Can I room. ask... Does it say on there what relation is the pink one? Is she his girlfriend or is she his like sister? Well, and it's a Hoover. <laughs> According to this, Hetty is the female version of Henry is the most si- most similar out of all the siblings with a female persona what? made up of a pink coloured body and long eyelashes. She offers fans the original machine in a variation on the comical and cheeky appearance. Under the bonnet is the same technology that makes up Henry with twin flow motors creating just as much suction power. See, I the only real thought, difference between Henry and Hetty is the exterior appearance. I always thought Hetty... That's a good metaphor for humanity in general. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought Hetty was like the girlfriend and James was like the son. So now I'm like, no, I'm very wrong on that. How, what? How, <laughs> how, how was um, James conceived? Please explain <laughs> how he would have been conceived. Was he formed of a dust ball? And then they put their nozzles together? And then... And then Pa- he pa- it passed into. Oh my! I, I, this is this is. This, there's a lot to be right. discussed here. So what happens? Their nozzles touch, and then nine months later, she pops. Out, he, James pops out from inside. Hetty. Wow. This sounds like a really warped Henry. TV Henry, Henry, Henry fills Hetty's bag <laughs> with dusty stuff. I like I like researching <laughs> products before I buy them. So if I'd have been on the search for a Hoover, that website would have made me go. I'm going to Vax. <laughs> We've missed out one of the siblings, which is the industrial one, which there's, is the There's bit... no siblings to vacuum cleaners. Let's stop this bizarre <laughs> kind of like there's, there's another... a family hierarchy. Why aren't there grandparents? There's another model in the range, which is the big grey industrial bulky one. Maybe what, 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 is he Bob? What Bob the grandfather. No, his name is Numac. What? <laughs> How does that N U M A C I'm from New York City. <laughs> It's like he's the, he's the comedy relief that gets brought in about the third season. It's like, hey, I'm New Mac. Oh man, Uncle New Mac's coming over. I'm Poochie the dog. <laughs> Does he skateboard? I have no. <laughs> Does he wear a backwards cap? <laughs> anyway, Keith, what have you been up to this week? You were sent to Coventry last week, weren't you? Yes, I went to Coventry. I went to Wolverhampton this week. What is it with you? I'm going to not that great places. Where you, where, where's next? Provincial cities. Uh, back Are you going to go to, to uh, oh, no. Grimsby? You, you'll be pleased. Next Friday, it's Nuneaton. Oh, 
Oh, why are you going to an uneaten? To uh, do some work. Never have seen a great Do some work. Look at, look at their fountains. <laughs> it's like Obi Wan coming in with his speeder, just like going into Mos Eisley. You on the train, just like, ugh. That's all right. I don't mind it. I went to Wolverhampton to go and see uh, the touring small films exhibition they've got on there at the moment. And they've also got a small puppets, TV puppets um, We've got exhibition. one of those ourselves. It's called Callum. <laughs> These were more animated. Um, there were, were puppets from Stingray, Thunderbirds, um, George and Zippy from Rainbow Wood Air. Oh, Zippy um, committed a crime this week. <laughs> How did Zippy commit a crime? He's in a box in um, Wolverhampton. There was a, there's a really nice police um, picture going around of um, a photo fit, and it really looks like Zippy. <laughs> Oh yes, the guy with the biggest <laughs> smile in oh, the yeah. world. <laughs> I think he looks more like Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. That's, uh, that's a good picture of Ryan and Callan you've taken there. It's <laughs> <laughs> the opposite, opposite way around. It's obviously mirrored. <laughs> we all know. What, what we all we all know. I am Bungle. If we if we're going with Rainbow, I am definitely Bungle. Keith is definitely Jeffrey. Oh, Callan Dane's in the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> At least that guy's wearing a helmet. Yes. Right, As well, we, if I'm we're just doing scrolling Rainbow, through my phone. Yeah. Inside. If we're doing Rainbow, Keith is definitely Jeffrey. Guy is Zippy. I am Bungle. And Callan is George. Ah, <laughs> George is the worst George, George. one. George? George is nice. George is the pink one on the left. The hippo. Oh. I, I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the one who speaks like... It's the one who speaks like... That just looks like a serial killer photo. <laughs> oh, if, if there's a really good Twitter account, I can't remember what it is, but they like do twisted versions of Sylvanian families. Oh. It's really, really funny. And yeah, you need to find it. I'm going to go and find it while... Button Moon. With Mr. Spoon. Cute. Callan, do you know what Button Moon is? Nope, not a clue. It was a kid's show which was made out of pots and pans. Was it, wait, was that the picture you just showed me of like the weird stacked people? They were they were made yes. out of spoons. They spoon They don't look like spoons at all. Their heads are spoons. Well they made them look a bit nicer than just a wooden spoon. Well, the ones well the, I was the, expecting the, the just wooden cup. spoon heads. You told me you ex- you told me there were heads were wooden spoons, so I was expecting just like literally wooden spoons. Look, TV was cheaper back in the eighties, Carlos. <laughs> yes. Going back to Twitter, it's Forest Friends F O R E S T underscore F R one E N D S. Follow it on Twitter; it's really funny. It's basically twisted versions of Sylvanian families. I like that. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's adorable. That is, that is the cutest thing. I'm giving them a follow. The third photo down currently on there, which I'm not allowed to broadcast. It, it's a good one. Which one's the third one down? Nice bit of radio silence. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, I'll edit We're it We're all out. scrolling. Everybody's scrolling at home as well. <laughs> anyway, Guy, what have you been up to this week? Oh... Remember last week, Ron, the uh, the bag of pornography. Yes. So what did we go and do? <laughs> Can I just go back to the Forest Friends? There's a Forest Trump parody no. account. No. no, no, you're done. You've had your time. <laughs> We've moved Move on. on. Yes, the bag of pornography. Yes. So what did we do last Saturday, Ryan? You watched it all. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, me and Ryan, just found a stick with a hook on it in my garden and used the chance plastic space. Spade to pry open the bag of pornography. I want to hear the story about how you found a stick with a hook on it. <laughs> Where did that come uh, uh, from? I, it, was, it was just randomly just in, randomly in my garden, um, like many other things. So what happened was when the bag opened, Ryan ran off down the garden like a little girl when one <laughs> fell out, past his wife going, like that. 
and then I touched the bag, and then I ran you off. Screamed, his you wife. screamed like a child. Running the garden, like, oh my god, I've touched. And there's there's Viv just in the garden, like what what has just happened? We did we devolved into ch- kids in the park, didn't we? Yeah. So you know, why like, why did you touch this? I didn't mean like, to touch it. We just wanted to see what the yeah, three we titles, to see the titles were. were, which I'm not going to say on no. air. But let's just say someone has a fondness for a particular brand of meat yes. and a t- particular type of housewife. So yes. can you describe? No. no. And somebody, <laughs> like, somebody likes long walks in the park, which end with a surprise. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, but wow. something else happened this week. Yes. So I DJed Sunday night at the Crab Mill, me and Captain Kirk, and it was dead, as per usual. <laughs> Keith's now looking at the titles that we took a picture of. Um, <laughs> um, so we DJed at the Crab Mill, and nothing happened. It was a dead night. But come, like, 11.45, randomly things start kicking off. It's like, that's fine. You know, people are dancing and stuff now. These guys have been in the pub all night. And then finally, they must have reached the stage where they're quite drunk about 11.45, so they start dancing to, like, Eddie Grant and Madness and stuff like that. Anyway, this guy comes up, like, oh, I love what you guys are doing. You guys are really, really great. Oh, where can I find out more about you online? Um, we and Minka were like, oh, well, we've got a radio show. And he was like, oh, yeah, could you, like, put it in the address on my phone so I can find it? Anyway, I need to type it in. I load up his internet page. What's the last thing he's been looking at? Vape station. And then <laughs> he turns around and he goes... Oh, why did you load that for? And I was like, I think you find you did. And he was like, oh, I can't believe that's happened. Another situation I'm involved in where I've encountered some kind of pornography, which I'm not involved in. What happened last night on the Kirk show revolving pornography? What did happen last time? You were talking about something else last night about pornography. I'm always talking about pornography. <laughs> what, what happened? I can't remember. I can't even remember now. But I just remember pornography like, coming to the front of my mind. I think it was Kirk talking about your record collection. Yeah, it's filthiness. Um, but yeah, so this guy... Oh, you were talking about the bush. Oh, yeah, we were looking at a bit of bush this week. So, Kate Bush, Callum, who... Yeah. So, yes. I thought it was going to be Bush the band, as in, like the, the rock band. No, because nobody listens to Bush the band. What, Gavin Rossdale, who did one yes. series of The Voice and got kicked off because no yeah. one knew who he was. And nobody chose him as the mentor. But when you had your pick of the week, I'd just say, I've got Bush here. <laughs> well, I wasn't talking about the record, Ryan, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, honestly, that, like, opened up that guy's phone. It was just like, oh, what do, what do I even do here? And then it was just like, I love the fact, like, that's blatantly what he'd been doing and before he came to, to our DJ set. <laughs> it's like, okay, so uh, I can wash uh, my hands. Why are you assuming he, it was before? <laughs> it could have been during. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> Suggestion for the future, keep a bottle of ha- alcoholic hand gel between you and Kirk on the DJ sets. <laughs> Do you know, like, what, what accidental porn am I going to wander into this week? It just seems to have, like, I just seem to wander into situations You're where a porn magnet. some kind of, like... <laughs> Not a porn, porn magnate, a porn magnet. <laughs> What's going to happen this week? I'm going to probably wander into a shop and there's going to be shooting one or something like that. I'll just blunder <laughs> in. I just seem to just be stumbling upon pornography. You should go bowling more often. It's <laughs> likely to happen. That bowling alley's been destroyed now. It's been raised to the ground. I mean, it doesn't help my reputation that I do have a large record collection of adult film sound. Tracks and now that I just seem to be stumbling into it all the time. Hey, do you know what? Maybe it's a career in the making. Maybe maybe it's time to make Gigi Brummy the uh, adult film. Well, right. like, <laughs> Give me the next, like, Ron Jeremy. Is it Ron Jeremy? The Ron old Jeremy guy with so, the long hair. We need to talk about this, Callum. We've got, I haven't got much time, but we'll quickly mention it. Remember a few weeks ago when I posted a picture of EastEnders and said, Ron Jeremy's in EastEnders, and you believed Ron Jeremy had made a cameo in EastEnders? Yes! I did. Why would that have happened? Because. I thought it was just like a joke for like, oh, oh, ha, ha, ha. It's just a guy. He's just in the background. Like, it's 
it's a it's not edgy at all because no one's going to pay him any attention. It's just haha, that's a little bit funny. So you genuinely think Ron Jeremy was in EastEnders? Like the Robbie Williams in a, in Coronation it, Street cameo. Yeah, just in, in just like a one-off cameo, just sort of like a just for the humour of it. Like the idea of like, oh, what? it's just we just got this chatting up dot in the corner. Oh, God. <laughs> you went, uh, you went. Uh... Callan, what have you been up to this week? Well, I went home, 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 back to uh, the did Sunshine you make it home Coast. safely? Yes, I did. Funny enough, I'm still across the country without navigating by water. I'm very impressed. Um, I got drove one way, so I sat in passenger seat of car and Charles, Charles booster seat in the back <laughs> of the car. <laughs> Uh, uh, hang on, we need to recap on that. I got drove. Yeah, yeah. Did, did Jeeves pick you up in the in the Bentley? Did, he? <laughs> did you have the morning papers freshly ironed in the rear of your Rolls Royce Silver Shadow? Oh no, I just got my girlfriend to drive because she drives and I don't. So I got well, my girlfriend to drive me. That's right. Like, <laughs> you drive now. <laughs> it's not very uh, politically correct of you. What? The, did you ask your girlfriend nicely to drive you, is what you meant to say? Uh, well, no, actually, she offered me. So, yes. But, uh, I think she offered that... you to somebody else after that. <laughs> <laughs> Would she... you like to have this boyfriend? It's only slightly used. <laughs> slightly damaged. I mean, you're, you're, you're lucky you've still got her after your whole uh, every girl fancies me route. <laughs> I, I was half expecting you to ride a horse down. That's quite a long way to go, but I would love that. That would be fun. Just coaching ins on the way. <laughs> Just Bar keep your it. finest ploughman's lunch for Callum. <laughs> ploughman's is grim. Ploughman's is the worst sandwich. But, yeah, so ploughman's <laughs> is not a even sandwich. a sandwich. <laughs> well, it's the... A ploughman's is a pork pie, a slice of cheese, some chutney, and an apple. Yeah. Only good thing about that is the pork pie and the apple. Uh, no, so that was basically my week. So I just went home, had a sort of. Relaxation, sort of, most for the most part, internet were, free. Were you graceful seeing water again? Was that like a dream to you? And you arrived, it's like, it, the land is finished now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm by the sea again. I can see where I'm going. <laughs> Did you, ma- do you demand your parents uh, pander to your every whim? No, my parents. My parents would never do that. Sadly. Well, One day they, they sent you to Birmingham <laughs> to university. That's very nice of them. Probably costing them a fortune. Well, they didn't send me. I paid to go. No, the government paid for you to go. What? Yes, no, the government paid pay for you. Yeah, we paid for you to go. <laughs> yeah, you're all paying for my degree. Enjoy. Yes. <laughs> Which should now include a module on what makes up a plowman's lunch. Yes. <laughs> I thought these were basic things that you got taught. From well, I, maybe it's maybe it's a South thing, but for me, a plowman's was always a sandwich that was just like cheese, pickle, bread. Well, yes. <laughs> It must just be like a South Midlands divide there. <laughs> what are you on about? <laughs> I don't know. We've lost him, Ryan. How's your week been? Quiet. Very quiet. That's good. Right, on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, cleared through a backlog of about 60 emails that I didn't realise because one of my accounts stopped auto-forwarding emails. So if you've emailed me, sorry. <laughs> but that was pretty much saying, no, I'm not doing blogging at the minute. But 60 emails I'm planning is not to return. When they're inviting me to events, 60 emails is quite a lot. I would like to come to events with you, please. <laughs> Just because you've moved to the city doesn't mean you get to come to my events. Yes. You never yes. invite yes. me to your events. That's because, that's because I'm a break. That's because you don't know what Plowman's is. Yes. <laughs> I 
Can, can you imagine that I take the child for food blogging? <laughs> Unless it's well, I didn't know you had a son. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's an experience where I get a, a dinner tray where you can colour it in. I'm not going to invite you. Take him for a happy meal after the show. I'll keep him entertained. If we ever need, a, if you ever need to review like a family restaurant, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Get you to un- review the unlimited harvester buffet. Oh my god, we could go as a family. Like me and Keith could be husband and wife, and you pair could be the kids. Well, you up for that, Keith? Being husband and wife. Well, you think the lady, <laughs> you think the lady in the really nice pony shop around the corner now thinks we're a couple as we've been in oh, two weeks in a row. Definitely, yeah. We we were putting a shop shopping in a bag together, and we were sitting there our coffees. We we did come across as a, as a couple. I went into an art gallery with um, one of my friends who happens to be very flamboyant and sort of openly gay and literally everyone thought we were a couple and it was just like I can understand that yeah you're like the silent one in the couple yes (laughs) this is my partner Callan he doesn't speak (laughs) (laughs) well no we were just in the art gallery so I was just like oh yes yeah I see that I like the themes it was like a theme of nature and it's like yes you can see the theme of bodies there and the nature surrounding it and he's just like we've lost I've lost he's lost me again he has lost me again what what Guy, we did get up to something else this week as well, though. Wow, I told you not to say anything about that. <laughs> no, the Maplin thing. Oh, the Maplin thing. Yeah, Maplin is going out of business. What a shame. So, me and Guy went on an exploratory undercover mission to see what was available in the store. So, we're going to have to do that, and then we're going to come right back to you. So, Guy, where are we? Well, you remember last week, Ryan, when I, uh, I said that Maplin was closing down, and we started being sort of... Uh, a bit sort of picky about their prices. They're very expensive prices. Yeah, so we thought maybe we'd like sort of, as we've had a little of an afternoon out, we'd go and sit, look at the map and say, and see actually how much discount we could potentially feasibly get. Is it me or is that John Barnes with a dog on the side of pets at home? That is John Barnes with a dog on the side of pets at home. So apparently uh, you can get... Um, off batteries, 30% off tools. So if you need some tools, you can get 30% off them. That's right, tools. Okay, so we're looking at educational toys. The green rocket. Uh, You can get a splashing fountain, it's $14.99. H2O pump. What would you do with a H2O pump? I don't know, I like the flying disc. (laughs) Alarm robot. These $14.99 with discount. $11.99. Jeez. 80 pence, a junior hacksaw keyring. What have you found? An M Audio audio track, which takes USB and USB C cables. 50 quid. Can you buy it? No. There's literally nothing in here that I want. What about a glue gun? Oh my god, buy a glue gun, 11 It's like with discount, 20% off a glue gun. And then you have to buy all the stuff that goes in the glue gun, that's a rip off. I've just been seen recording in the shop. I've had to go outside. I could get in trouble. Ryan, you've left Maplin. What did you buy? I bought a pack of 20 AA batteries and 20 AAA batteries for a fiver. Yeah, not really a discount. I reckon you could have gone to Poundland, which is down the road and got cheaper. But the high energy drain ones. And Guy, I bought you a present. Oh, okay. Uh, I know how much your ears are troubling you at the minute. <laughs> So what have I got here? Thunder plugs. That's right, thunder plugs. That's not something else. Uh, oh, it's to put on my headphones so I can protect my ears. They're 18 decibel reduction. 
Thank you. Come with a little carrying case as well. Thank you. You do know I use over-the-ear he- ear headphones. Yes, but these aren't for over-the-ear headphones. These are just in general for when you're DJing. You can pop those into your ears to protect your earring. Thank you. So what, what have we taken from the Maplin set? That things are still overpriced, yes. but you can get good hearing protection. Six pounds for those. You paid six pounds for those for me? Yes. I love you. Sorry, I was being really noisy with the packet then. <laughs> yes. So what did you think of our trip to Mapling Guy? What a waste of time that was. Honestly, like, I'm sorry that if you're losing your job because Mapling is closing, but let's face it, you, you work at a shop where things were never meant to be bought. Like, this is a rip-off. You've got to be, like, a millionaire to own by Stephen Mapling. Even Save wouldn't be able to afford it stuff. Also... What a pointless sort of stuff. A junior hacksaw keyring. Who who needs that? That's what? why it's still left over, because no one needed it and no one bought one. Well, what got me was people buying like computer peripherals like keyboards for like ninety quid on sale for a mechanical keyboard and it's like you can get a better one online at at Amazon, who have pretty much got everything that Mapling will ever stock at half the price. Even an Apple keyboard doesn't cost that yeah, much. Yeah, I was going to say. But it's like sale mania, isn't it? So you see like a sign saying there's a sale and there's this much off. It's, it's like, I've got to buy stuff because I'll never get it again. It's this whole fear of missing out generation that we have now. which is like, you need to buy it now, otherwise you'll never find it again. Mm. Mm. But I, I, will, I will lament my former workplace. And it's going to be a bit weird because what are the, what a bloke's going to do on trading estates now? Go to decathlon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and look at the trainers for sixteen hours. Hang on, PC World still exists. Curry still exists. So yeah, but there's, n- there's no actual PCs in PC World. It's just printer ink and overpriced tellies. Mm. They do have computers in PC World. Yeah, but it's only a few. It's and like they're the not really netbook. good. Or like a graphics card that's 16 years out of date, priced yeah. at 300000 Oh, what, are you talking desktop? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they've got hardly any in there. Now, did Maplins have any drones? They did have drones, and they weren't that much reduced. I think they were like 10% off. See, that's the, that's the thing they're missing out on in, on that. It's like, you know, what are they going to do with all this stock? Because they, they've got to get rid of it. So well, apparently, the eBay store for Maplin oh, is doing a roaring trade okay. at the minute. What? So that's my hot tip, is going to the eBay store. Because you'll probably find stuff there for cheaper than actual the shop. Did they have like the like big professional like filming drones, or were these just like the little like? For they fun had the ones? whole range. They had from like the four hundred, five hundred quid ones yeah. down to like the twenty quid. They jobs. do they do do the phantoms and stuff in there, which yeah. is quite cool. I do I do kind of fancy at some point becoming a drone owner. But yeah. what one that got me more than anything else was the mixer that was missing three knobs, and they were still trying to charge fifty quid for it. Uh, blimey. <laughs> It's like this is blatantly broken. You can't sell this anymore. Was it even a good? Separately. Was it even a good mixer? No, no. It was Pro Sound. Oh, it's not even worth it. That sounds good. It's got the word Pro in it. <laughs> it's got the word Sound in it. So that's, uh, that's a label of quality. Pro, Pro. That sounds good. Mr. Bloomfield, as our resident geeky Remy comics expert, I'm going to hand over to you to give us an introduction into Mr. Marvel and his comics. Indeed. I'm going at this at a slightly different uh, aspect than you would normally expect. I'm not going to suggest particular characters or titles for you to choose uh, because there's so many stories and characters in the Marvel Universe for you to pick from uh, that I think you should kind of come at it 
from that angle yourself. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to go through is a, is a couple of the options you've got in reading Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're interested in the print versions, uh, you've got quite a few different options. Uh, and one of the way, way, ways I'd recommend you start is in a, in a fashion that reminds me of when I read, read comics as a wee boy myself. Because uh, Marvel do a line called The Essentials, mm-hmm. uh, which is massive reprints in black and white. So there's no colour in them. So um, the world before colour. In the world before colour. And so they kind of. Wait, wait, wait. There's world before colour? There is indeed a world before colour. Um, so these are just reprints of, of many of the kind of early Marvel comics from the beginning of the kind of 1960s. And they collect together often 30, 40 issues. So you're getting kind of 500, 600 pages of comic for your book. Pretty which is hefty. Quite yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Pretty hefty um, volume. So you're getting things like Spider-Man, Silver Surfer, um, some of the kind of stuff that don't reprint very often, so kind of the complete collection of Godzilla comics. Uh, and they're a great way of getting started because it's, it's um, massive volumes. You get a lot of art and story for your book in that. Uh, it's a good way of getting started if you just kind of don't know where to start and you don't want to spend a lot of money on your first outlay. If you want to go into four colour... So how much are we um, parting of our money? Well, it depends on how many volume, how many kind of issues are in the book. So you're kind of talking between you know ten to twenty pounds, depending on which volume. And often they're kind of heavily discounted uh, because they've now been superseded uh, by the uh, complete collections and epic lines, which has introduced color, mm. um, which is quite nice. But one of the things that kind of um, detracts from the colour versions which get which is isn't so uh thing is is the fact that when they were printed originally they were printed in four colour ink to go with the paper. Mm-hmm. So they've had to kind of recolour them a little bit in these colour collections. Well isn't that why the Hulk started out as grey? Well he started out as grey, yeah, because it was easier to print that colour. Um so the colour collections are a little bit weird. They're often not quite they're a bit more vibrant than the kind of originals. So they can look a bit weird uh, mm-hmm. if you do remember the old comics. Um but the complete collections usually gather together um complete runs of a series. So if you're kind of into Jessica Jones, you can get the complete Alias uh, comic, which was, yeah. was, which was done, which is all of her stories. Or you can get whole runs of uh, titles by particular authors. So there's the kind of Astonishing X-Men by Josh Whedon. They've collected together a lot of the kind of uh, Brian Michael Bendis uh, Spider-Mans and mm-hmm. also some of the kind of Miles Morales and Ultimate Spider-Man titles. Uh, and you're getting a little bit less for your money in there. You're probably only getting about kind of 400 pages per volume on those, depending on the title. Uh, but again, they kind of start a little bit later and are filling in the gaps that the black and white ones left behind. So it's often worth picking those up if you're kind of interested in more modern titles. Yeah. Uh, and the epic collection itself is kind of a little bit uh, more kind of all over the place. So you can get things like Kill Raven, so Howard the Duck. Bronze Age kind of comic. Yeah. Uh, kind of, I would say kind of mid-70s, 80s uh, so for the, the epic, so the colour stuff. Yeah. So you're starting to get kind of X-Men, kind of later X-Men and stuff like that. Um, so they're kind of really good ways because you're getting an awful lot for your money. And the epic collection is continuing to grow. So they're kind of spreading out and doing more and more titles from that. Um, if you're interested still in the print stuff, you can start picking up the trades of the more recent comics. Uh, so you're only really getting kind of between four and six issues in a trade there. And they can be a little bit costly because uh, with the Marvel stuff, you're looking at kind of 12, 15 pounds for those. Uh, but they become a little bit of a minefield when you're talking about the kind of more modern comics because Marvel have gone through this period recently of kind of relaunching a lot of titles. And they're like their sixth reboot. In recent yeah, times. they're on a lot. So it can get a little confusing. So if you're kind of looking at titles like Thor, you're often finding if you look on the shelf, you'll have uh, the Mighty Thor, Unworthy Thor, variant variations of Thor. But they'll all have kind of volumes one and two or lots of volume one. So it can be a little bit tricky to navigate that way around. So your best bet is to have a look on the back 
kind of see which issues are actually being reprinted in there. Mm-hmm. So you kind of Captain Marvels, Ms. Marvels, you've had several volumes being reprinted going one, two, three. So if you're not quite sure where you are, you might need to do a little bit of research online beforehand to see which ones you're actually going to need to get hold of. So the more modern trade paperbacks are a little bit more of a minefield. It's not quite as easy to kind of see where you want to start on those. So um, what kind of stories are you going to get from this? Because they're not going to be following the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, you've got uh, a lot of difference now between the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You've got some characters in more modern books starting to take on the appearance of the cinematic versions of the characters. Uh, but a lot of that kind of uh, happens quite quite recently. So things like the Defenders. Yep. If you pick up the kind of essentials and epic versions of the Defenders, you're going to get Doctor Strange, Namor and the Silver Surfer and the Hulk. But if you pick up the more modern versions, you're going to get the Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Daredevil Luke Cage, Iron Fist versions. Yeah. So it kind of depends on which characters you're interested in, where you might start with that. Um, if you're not really interested in print, you've got uh, a couple of options to go digital, which is a nice way of kind of uh, trying things out a little bit without spending an awful lot of money. Uh, and one way you can do that is through an app called Comixology, mm-hmm. which is kind of owned by Amazon now. Uh, and so a tip for Comixology is to, you have to buy your comics through the website. You can't do it through the app directly, so you have to use the website. But often check Amazon as well for their Kindle editions, because the two will cross over. So sometimes you can save a little bit of money if you're clever on kind of looking what Comixology have got and what the Kindle version are. And they often run sales. They so heavily discount it. Fantastic sales. So they picked up Black Panther Book 1 for 69p. Yeah. They recently did it. I picked up uh, a couple of epic collections for Thor with Walt Simonson and a whole run of the Excalibur Cross Time Capers for £69. £69? 69 pence! <laughs> uh, and I mean, I'm getting four or 500 pages of comics there. Uh, and the nice thing about Comixology is you get the guided reading. So it takes you through panel by panel. So it kind of really makes it a little bit easier to do it. It's um, like pretty much the, like the titles of any comic book movie that you saw in the yeah. mid-2000s of focusing in on the panel. Yeah, and, and they'll often have recommendations and stuff. So they kind of get a bit of a guided, you get a guided tour. Uh, and the other way you can do it is through uh, an app called Marvel Unlimited. Mm-hmm. So that costs about £6 a month to subscribe. You can subscribe annually for a kind of a bit of a discount. But they often run free months or discounts if they're tying into a film or tying into a big uh, comics event uh, and that collects together over two hundred two twenty thousand uh marvel comics which you can kind of browse through and again they kind of collect them it's no, about six months gonna, behind so you're not going to have the most up-to-date yeah issues. it's about six months behind the current issues but there's so much in there and again they'll block things together so if you're kind of interested in a particular story they'll gather together gather together all the issues in secret wars or a kind of uh, secret invasion or whatever it is so you can kind of find your way through if you have a starting point or if you've got characters you want to explore you can start with that character name and see what issues they've got available for you. Uh, and Comixology have done a uh, an unlimited service as well where you pay on a subscription and you can get unlimited comics through that as well, which is quite an interesting way of doing it. And with Comixology, you're not just restricted to Marvel as well? No, Comixology gives you all of the all of the comics titles out there. So you've got uh, Dark Horse, DC, all of that kind image of stuff. Well, yeah, Image. Um, pretty much pretty much. if it's published, you can pretty much get it through Comixology. So it's quite quite a good way of getting in there and exploring but, on and beyond that. But Marvel Unlimited is a fantastic deal if you want to. Yeah, really and if you, get get that, if you can get that free month offer... It's a good way to start, kind of just trying things. They've got classic titles, they've got uh, modern titles and kind of stuff. The only thing that's a little bit off-putting is sometimes they miss issues out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you might be in a run of comics and then for some reason a couple but, of issues are missing. It's a bit unclear. Um, but you can get you know some really interesting stuff from that. 
But my hot tip, the best way to get into your Marvel comics, is to pay a visit to your local comic book store. We're looking in Birmingham, we've got Nostalgia and Comics, but if you're elsewhere, you might have a Gosh or a Page 45 or an Orbital. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just go in, talk to the staff, kind of tell them what films you're interested in from the Marvel Universe. So kind of like you say, I'm interested in Captain America. But also let them know the kind of things that you're into generally. Yeah. So what kind of TV shows you're in? What kind of games you like? What kind of things? Uh, and the, the stuff there will kind of guide you to the Marvel comics that will best suit you. So if you're interested in the kind of uh, Netflix versions of, of Luke Cage and whatever, they'll kind of guide you to the, the other ones. If you're interested in more classical characters, they might guide you to the Essentials or the Epic Collections. Uh, but they will, they will give you a good idea of where to start. Yeah. And also other titles outside of Marvel that you might be interested in. And that's the thing as well. Don't expect the cinematic universe to be whoever is currently in the run of the comics as well. Yeah. Your cinematic version of Captain you, you're America. You're getting two different things, really. It's yeah. kind of uh, the cinematic universe will stand by itself. You'll see some influences on the comics, maybe by the looks of the characters or how they kind of act, uh, but they're quite, quite distinct. Um, but it's, it's a good place to start with the printed versions, the epics and the essentials. Digital, if you want to just kind of experiment, try the odd issue here and there. But the best way, go to your local comic book store, tell them what you're into, and they will help you. And what would be your one starting comic, if you could have to choose one? <sighs> That's a hard choice to pick and just one. Rom. <laughs> no, but, but the, well, Rom's a difficult one because that's got rights issues. I yeah. would kind of like to, I'd go, um, a good, good way to read uh, is the kind of, um, the all new X-Men. Mm-hmm. kind of that started in the kind of late 70s um, that introduces characters that we all know and love now Storm, Colossus, Wolverine Similar Kitty to the Pride. cartoon if yeah. you're a fan of that the black and white versions look beautiful they're fantastic you can really see some of the, uh, the, the artwork there and the colour versions are pretty good as well so but um, pick a character pop into your comic shop pick up a comic thank you very much don't forget to visit Nostalgia Comics and say Geeky Prima sent you yes Guy and Keith you have been to see Isle of Dogs, and me and Callan haven't. Guy, you're not the strongest fan of this film? No, I wouldn't say that. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I liked it. But I'm kind of fed up with Wes Anderson doing this sort of thing. I need him to go and do a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. So to speak. I need him to go back and do something like Rushmore or Bottle Rocket again. In what he's known for, basically, rather yeah, than animated. I don't want to go something that low by now and do something a little bit more stripped back. Is that wrong of me to say? Keep you staring me. <laughs> I feel like I, I, I don't think he needs to go backwards in terms of what he's doing. Um, I, I really enjoyed Isle of Dogs again, purely because you know it's always nice to see stop motion animation on a big screen. You know, it's a beautiful thing to see uh, puppets being. Uh, posed moved and the thing with the dogs and stuff is is really nice i kind of ho- like the whole aesthetic of this uh, particular film i think the one thing for me that i didn't quite buy uh, as much was um brian cranston's voice for chief uh, i don't think he was that great a voice actor uh, on this i kind of kept on sitting there thinking this would have been really good if it had been george clooney um, so I kind of I liked all the other kind of characters that they got there. So you know it's nice to see you know Jeff Goldblum back and Edward Norton and all the rest of it. As a gossipy dog, yeah. is the best thing ever. And I kind of liked what I did like was the aesthetic of the TV screens was uh, kind of 
traditional line animation, which is really nice. I kind of like the whole um, juxtaposition of kind of how the world was constructed. Uh, and it re worked really well for me. I kind of, you know, there were plot points that you kind of go, oh, I know where this is going. And then things happen and you go, oh, actually, that's quite surprising. Um, so I kind of, I thought it was a really good um, tale, well told, still contained all of that kind of whimsy and quirkiness uh, of a Wes Anderson film, the kind of symmetry of how it all looked. Um, but I don't think he, I don't think he needs to go back. I don't certainly don't think he needs to go back to doing kind of stuff like Rushmore and Bottle Rocket. We've had that. I'd like to see him kind of uh, expand his horizons a little bit. But I like I like the I like a Wes Anderson film for its Wes Andersonness, uh, and I've not been disappointed yet by any any of his films. I always come away kind of like entertained and feel, you know, that it, it's 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 good. I, you know, maybe he needs to do something. Along the lines of when he come to um, Grand Budapest, you know, just something different, but in his style, maybe a science fiction type thing or so, horror. I'm thinking a, a Wes Anderson horror movie would be amazing. So, do you feel isn't that, that just Legion? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, yeah. Are you trying to say that this has that Wes Anderson? Feel, oh, it's, it's through or? and through a Wes Anderson movie. You can't you can't not see his um, his directorial quirks and techniques in there. Um, but you know it's different. It's different from Mr. Fantastic Mr. Fox. So I think it's he's, he's he's always evolving and progressing, but with a with a very distinct approach. Hmm. I, I mean, it was I enjoyed it, but I think he's just becoming too much of a, a, a carriage pastiche of himself. I'm getting bored of it. Do you think that that's sort of more to do with like the um, the nature of the film compared to his other stuff? In that it's sort of more, it's not necessarily a kids' movie, but it's more sort of accessible to that sort of younger audience than perhaps something like um, um, uh, the Hotel um, Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest, yes. Yeah, I think it's certainly not. A kids' film, in in a sense, it's it's. I think it's accessible to to young people. You know, it, it's a it's a story that's that has a lot to say and isn't overly complex or, or filled with things that are kind of inappropriate for younger audiences. Um, but it's it's got a Wes Anderson thing, and I think kind of singling him out for being Wes Anderson is 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 you know uh, a Martin. Uh, Scorsese movie is a Martin Scorsese mm. movie. A Quentin Tarantino movie is a Quentin Tarantino movie through and through. There's not much evolution in what Quentin's done, you know, with the Reservoir Dogs than when we get to Django Unchained or um, kind of, you know, any of those kind of films. So I think playing to his strengths is really good. And he does, he's not a jobbing director. He's not directing other people's stuff. He's directing stuff that he's he's passionate about that he writes the story for. So I think... That's that's good in a sense that we, he's just not doing, you know. If he directed somebody else's stuff, I don't think it would be quite the same. With Grand Budapest Hotel, there was pretty much a five-minute animated segment in the bit with the whole ski run chase. Yeah. So, do you think this is what inspired him to move more into animated features? Because he did do Fantastic Mr. Foss, which was an amazing film, and then he had Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, where he played a little bit, a uh, bit, little bit. With the animated stuff, with that, with the underwater sequences, do you think animation's where his heart is nowadays, rather than live action? Because I think he can get the look he wants more in animated films, rather than relying on actors to interpret his vision. I think, 
it's using the best medium to tell the tale. It would have been difficult to do Isle of Dogs live action. So I think he's working to the strengths of if, if the story requires it, that's how I'm going to do it, which is why the animated sequences appear in uh, Grand Budapest. It's because that would have been that would have been difficult to do that in any other fashion. I don't think I'd want to see a CG animated Wes Anderson movie. No, 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 that no. Just, that, that, that would, that would ruin it. I think. I think anything CG with Wes Anderson would be not great. Yeah, but I, I think he. I think he's at the point now where he could do a sci-fi or a horror movie, and you know, even a superhero movie. I mean, a lot of people have done parodies of it. But I quite enjoyed a few years back where they had the kind of Wes Anderson Spider-Man um, short film that they did, which was, I mean, it was didn't just, it was, so it was Wes Christmas Anderson advert. 101. So I didn't do that Christmas advert, which is pretty much a 10-minute short Wes well, Anderson that, review. That, I used that as an example of, of how to make a short film. The, the, it was the H&M ad for uh, Christmas, I think. Not this Christmas, just gone, the Christmas before. And that had got... Um, I can't remember the guy. Adrian name. Brody. Adrian Brody. But just the way the move, because one of the things for me with Wes Anderson is it's not just uh, visual kind of, you know, actors and stuff. It's the use of color. It's the use of sound. If you see that uh, H&M ad, listen to the sounds, the way when he talks on the radio, the sound changes and how the sound changes, the camera moves around. So I like him as a director because he, he uses the medium to its greatest uh, you know, benefits. He's, he's he's playing with that that form and the staged kind of aesthetic is quite nice. I quite like. They're almost um, kind of you know little plays in in a sense. And he, he, you know, the actors have to perform well. You know, he's he's not just he doesn't cast just beautiful people so that people can look at the screen and go, oh, I mean, he does. Face. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, but he's also a, he's also an actor with character. You know, you think think of all the characters, that, the, all the actors he's using. They're character actors. True. And um, I think that's the only disappointment for me is I didn't think Brian Cranston brought enough to it. Well, he's known for stuff like Breaking Bad and Mark in the Middle, where he gets a lot of acting via his body language. Because a yeah. lot of the lot of the way he acts, he is he is a lot body language, especially in Mark in the Middle. There was all the pratfalls and like the. The slapstick comedy is a big element of his character, yeah. Hal. Mm. And again, with Breaking Bad, a lot of it was the way that you cha- saw him change from Walter White to Heisenberg, and the way he held himself, the way he pr- the way he promoted the Heisenberg character as this alter ego. And I don't think that mm. would have translated very well into this film when you've just got the voice, because the voice doesn't change between Heisenberg or Walter White. Well, his voice doesn't change during Chief. You know, he plays Zardon in. Um... Zordon, Power, in, Zordon Power, in, yeah. in Power Rangers. And again, it's a bit one note. His voice, he's not a voice actor. No. And he's not quirky enough to get away. It's a shame. With a, with in, he's not got an interesting voice. Jeff Goldblum and Bill Murray have got interesting voices. I mean, voices. I'd, say, I'd say he has a fantastic voice. And it's a very prominent voice, but he struggles as a voice actor in that. Well, one of the, one of the best examples of somebody who does really well in that, Scarlett Johansson. She carried her as a voice. And, and again, as, as Nutmeg in this film, she really does a great job. So, Isle of Dogs, would you recommend? Yes or no? It's a, it's a big geeky, brummy thumbs up for me for Isle of Dogs. Guy? Yeah, I guess. But go back and make some Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson. <laughs> What's that? Hi. Is that where I'm sitting? What do you need? Many, many, many franchises you've been part of. What's been your favourite? Franchises? I've been part of... That's a franchise? Farfly is a franchise, is it? No. It's not a franchise, though, is it? I hate the word fan. You know what fan stands for? 
fanatic. It's a derogatory term created by people who didn't understand what having heroes was all about. So would you refer to, so what would you refer to people who would identify themselves as fans? What's your name? Callum. I'd refer, I'd refer to you as Callum. <laughs> Fan is a really, it's a really weird word. It's a very negative, has a very negative connotation. You've got to remember that for years, and even, even still now, watch a news piece, say you watch a, a morning news piece on, oh, the MCM Expo is going to be in, in, in Birmingham, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and what's happening this morning? The look on the face of most people who be talking is a bunch of sad people who live in their parents' basement, apparently, who all dress up as furries and do weird stuff, you know, have no lives and do it. I mean, that's the context of what it is. Whereas in real life, you do a show like Battlestar, you do a show like Firefly, you meet a huge cross-section of the human race with multiply different jobs. We're all held together by a common thread of enjoying a particular show that has a voice or expresses itself in a certain way for them. The amount of trial lawyers are enamoured by my character in Battlestar Galactica would, would be extraordinary. But, to me, you know, you know, of football is nothing different to a follower of a TV series. Yeah, okay, absolutely it is different, a follower of football. is different than a follower of a... But you can, you can be uh, a fan of football as well. It's very unlikely that you'll dress as that footballer. Well, you get hundreds of them each week. No, that's fat, the, the old Fat Eddie joke and the, the bishop talks about. It's like, hold on, we need a, we need a striker. Yeah, you, Fat Eddie, come down. <laughs> uh, no, we're talking about a very, very different thing. And without putting too weird a spin on it, it like for example, a show like Supernatural, seems to attract as a tone of family and, and, and doesn't matter if you're an underdog and, and there's a lot of really amazingly positive sort of fighting concepts behind it. And it seems to be that, you know, there's, there's a lot more troubled people in the world than there ever used to be before or maybe they're just a bit more vocal than they used to be or maybe we see more of them. Maybe we have bigger conventions. You know, men, mental illness and, and, and mental difficulties and, and social issues are just prevalent in this day and age. You, you, it's, it's impossible to go through life without knowing somebody or being somebody that is affected by this. What's fascinating to me about Supernatural is because there's a lot of amazing things that have been done by, by cast members and, and people around it there is a sort of feeling of family which is you know people will come together and bond together and help each other in the context of 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 because we can because we can help each other and a lot of people who feel outside the the realm of normal or outside the realm of help or outside the realm of society's norms tended to relate to the show and i see the most incredible stuff being doing done by uh the supernatural family as they're called the quote-unquote fans of supernatural coming together to help other people to do stuff and it's an amazing catalyst for that we're not saving lives or doing it in that way well Misha is a lot of the time he's building hospitals and schools and stuff <laughs> we do a bunch for charity it's kind of fun in truth it just has become this wonderful catalyst to signify people being able to come together and help each other and you're not alone and you're not this and you're not that it's not cynical and it's not negative and I'm very proud of how that has seemed to work because there seems to be a lack of that elsewhere in the world it you know I think it takes a tremendous amount of courage to wear your heart on your sleeve should we say so to dress to dress as somebody who you idolise or not even idolise anymore. It's just somebody, you're even trying to make a statement because the meaning of what you're wearing means something 
to to other people. It's it's kind of it can be brilliantly witty. Or, you know, people blending two characters together in a costume. It just makes you laugh your ass off if you know what it is. Look how clever I am. It's in jokes and fun stuff because we've always been the outsiders. The geeks have always been the people that that are looked down upon. Or uh, you guys are weird. Well, no, actually, we sort of like you know run your television stations and we make your content. And if you really look really closely, we're running the universe now. So the geeks have inherited the earth. <laughs> it's, it was always the guilty secret. Now it's actually kind of the norm in a way is that you know to be a fan of something is 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 the is the norm so maybe maybe we're changing the meaning of the word maybe it comes away from a word that's been taken back i don't know if it's been taken back because you still see idiots talking about it like it's something derogatory you're something less than because you're a fan of something oh those fans of people dressing up in star wars costumes it's like yeah for the last 30 40 years it's been pretty much people dressing up in star wars costumes (laughs) but you know it's the fact that you know the 501st do massive charity work is kind of more interesting to me that people use it as a, a way of coming together rather than a way of being separate. They used to use it to tell us we were weird. Now we're using it to come together to tell people that they should be paying attention to what's going on on the bloody planet. I think it's brilliant. I think it's really cool. And then you get, you know, the format and the delivery systems which we by which we've achieved our, our stories has changed so much. You know, you can only make a graphic novel out of that. It's not actually a derogatory term anymore. You know, that's not a failure that you've written a graphic no- novel. It's a, it's a huge success. It doesn't matter what format you do your story in. To have a, a story come out can be brilliant. But now, you know, you look at the first Battlestar Galactica and you could look at the first Battlestar Galactica as, even though it has the same basic story and the basic set of, same basic set of ideas as the, as Ron Moore's reimagining, it's an awfully cynical ripoff of Star Wars fans. If you really look, no matter how much you're trying to make it something that has this great base story and this idea of civilization and monotheistic and polytheistic societies and all the rest of this stuff and trying to find an Earth, it all still turns into sort of Buck Rogers meets Star Wars, which was, I think, really sad about that. But now, you know, you get people like Ron the, on the early edge of what we would call suicide television, I guess, because it's... You know, it's oh look, it's serialized. You can't possibly start it in the middle. You have to watch it from the beginning. Oh look, it's sci-fi, but it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it didn't get cancelled. It's amazing. Now we've gone into box sets of that, so we'll watch box sets the way that we used to have to find that show on cable or whatever it is that way. I just think it's brilliant. I think delivery systems are changing. I did Bionic Woman at a time when 11 million viewers was a disaster. That's funny to me. They pray for 11 million viewers now, or being able to, by their measuring systems, have 11 million. Viewers. You know, and I, was, I, was, I remember sitting with Eddie Ormus and I'm like, so we've got 1.6 million viewers. How come I can't walk down the street without somebody going, great episode last night. So we were the guilty secret of everybody. And the, the way they measured it was garbage. So it's fascinating for me to come to places like this all over the world and see the results of that. And to see another generation take the freedoms that come from going we can dress any way we like and we can do anything we like and still hold down a job. <laughs> don't have to live in our parents' basement if we really don't want to, probably. It's kind of cool. It's it's kind of amazing. People with issues now have a safe place to come and be without being picked on. I think that's, that sounds so disingenuous to so many people that I know, but I think it's a lot safer place than the quote-unquote real world, which is, you know, go down the pub and be part of... So we can come to a place and like-minded people and be part of be part of a different universe. I think it's a, it's a fantastic thing. And all of which, all the good ones are all based on love, which is hardly a negative experience. I think it's kind of wonderful. When you're being approached or... Thursday. Work, yeah, sorry. <laughs> are you particular about what it is that you, you get approached about? You know, I'm an actor, right? So basically we're just a... <laughs> in, a in a dress. Um, am I particular... Am I fussy? Can I be fussy? 
I don't know. Uh, you do realise that the things that I did that you think are cool weren't cool before I did them. <laughs> the things that I've done that you think are cool. It's part of Firefly. I was in the pilot of Firefly. Hadn't made it yet. You think it's cool. So what, I go, oh, this is going to be cool. It's a weird thing. I've been at the... I don't know, maybe I get offered the jobs, everyone goes, either, oh, Mark will do that. It's kind of interesting. Because I've got a lot of friends who are writers who go, yeah, Mark will do that. Or it'll be, I have no idea what to do with this. What do you think? And it's like, hmm, if it's a story, an interesting thing. Crowley, for me, was a fascinating thing. It's because Kim Manners, I knew Kim Manners really well. Kim Manners had passed. And I'd never done Supernatural. I'd never been asked to do Supernatural. Or, and they were, they were going through a period of time where they were auditioning for everything. They wouldn't give anything to anybody. The Crossroads Demon came out, and Ben had written it. Kim had just passed. And it sort of, I was like, oh. Really? They've never asked me to do it ever, and here it shows up now. I'm like, eh, maybe this could be something really fun. But it was still something they didn't really know what they were going to do with it as far as long-term was concerned. Very well written. That suddenly turned into eight years. The shape of that changes what it is. I've been lucky enough that the things, you know, there's only very few things I've ever done I don't like. And that's experiences of, with certain people that I thought would be fun and they're not. I'm sure there's plenty of people who work with me again. I thought it was going to be fun that it wasn't. But um, if you think of Firefly and Battlestar, Battlestar was written for me. It's the most amazing gift. Ron was like, oh, I have something for you. I'm like, what? He goes, three episodes of Battlestar. Okay, I think you'll like it. It's like nothing else you've ever done. You know, I read it. I was like, oh, crap. So when your friends write you stuff, you've got to be really good. Because otherwise you're letting down your friends and their bosses and their people and their stuff. And it's sort of, you're like, oh, thanks for the burden. Somebody once asked me, did I improv in in Battlestar he was like oh such great such great dialogue I said the dialogue's written it's beautiful when it's well written you can remember it for the next 25 years Michelangelo created the, the character of Romo which is actually short for Ron Moore Romo <laughs> he said, and I, I remember the dialogue he was saying but, but somebody said like, well, so how much of it do you make up I'm like let me read you something so I, I picked up the script from the sun also rises I think and I said uh, let me read you an action line something you'd never be able to read because it's not dialogue so it's a piece of instruction as to either the reader, basically, to know what's happening in the room, right? And I think it was in the middle of the interrogation scene of the six, if you know anything through Battlestar or my part of Battlestar, she's essentially the witness for the prosecution, and after talking to me, she stops being the witness for the prosecution. So it's a speech of some import. So in the midst of this speech is an action line that says, Lee, which is Apollo, looks up, but not at the six, at Romo, who removes his glasses for the first time, revealing eyes so exquisitely human as to require the veiling or unveiling at will. <laughs> I'm like, ah, yeah, all right, that could be tough. <laughs> I remember my conclusion on seeing it was like, yeah, not bad, it looked a bit tired, but it's kind of it was that moment. And you, you realise the import of how things were written and why they're written, and, and that that, a lover of that, Amy Berg, was writing The Mark Shepherd in Leverage. It was called The Mark, I didn't know it was called The Mark Shepherd, but it was <laughs> Sterling. And you get this, this, I still had to fight to get it, which is really funny, because that's the other thing, is if your friends write your stuff, they still go, great, but uh, Alan Cummings available. Going, yes, he's great, he's wonderful, but this is Mark. If you look at the graphic novel, that's him in a gorilla suit with two Tommy guns. That's his face. I said, yeah, he's great. What about The Rock? It's like, The Rock is not going to do this. Let's, uh, why don't we get Mark to do it, seeing as it's Mark? So you still get the fight that's in that. So to, uh, to answer it, you know, we're in dresses, but you want everything to be good, but not everything can be good. Some things you get afraid of, and sometimes it's a good idea to do it. And then sometimes I have friends that throw me in the rabbit hole, you know? So you never know. Stuff I want to do sort of go off in that direction. I just did eight years of a character, so it's kind of fun to do it that way. What have you got in the pipeline to do next? Is None of your really damn business. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I tell you? Interesting. I don't need to announce stuff, do I? 
I've got something to announce. I'll announce it. I'm actually on tour right now with Robin Hitchcock, who's a, a musician that I played with 1981 and 1982, which will age everybody in this room. If you can remember it, that means you're old. So when I was 17, I played with Robin Hitchcock in his uh, first or second band after the Soft Boys. Last year, we started playing again. Well, he's always played. So but last year, I started playing drums for him again. So I'll be back in May. We're playing Manchester Academy. We're doing uh, Mark Riley radio session. And then we're going down to London and play University of London Union, which I haven't done in 35 years, so that should be fun. So, uh, yeah, and it's, you know, Luther Russell playing guitar and, and Tony Buchan playing bass, which are two them two monster producers in the right, right, let alone great musicians. But if anyone's bored, the 11th and 12th of May will be very exciting. We'll be here and down there. Isn't that weird that I'm doing that? So it's starting again. I've got, like, an article in Modern Drummer coming out. In, in August, which I took this huge break from drumming and then came back to it, and it was so much fun doing it. So, and of course, you know, it doesn't hurt that I get to do it without having to sleep in a van. <laughs> so it's kind of good. After like knowing character for so long, do you? Notice what do you mean so long? How old are you? Sixteen. <laughs> so after playing a character for half of your life, <laughs> see, it's not half of my life. You say, no, it's, it's fascinating to me when you say so long. It's like you don't realise when you're doing it how long that period of time is. You know, when you're three, a year is a third of your life. When you're 80, it really isn't. Do you notice the character development or do you look back and... Do I notice the character development? Perry Corbin had a really interesting thing he said to a friend of mine. He was like talking about his career. Go, oh, my career, career. He goes, actors don't have careers. He goes... You work, you don't work, you get old, you look back and you go, oh, look, I had a career. <laughs> it's relative, it's, it's subjective and objective depending on what you're doing. You can't, it's not a job. You don't just apply for the job and get the job and, and that's your career and that's what you do and I'm going to be doing six years over here. And I'm going to, Nobody knew how long anything was going to run for or, or not. Firefly, everybody thought it was going to run forever, you know, but it was at a time when terrestrial television was a disaster. And with 11 million viewers, it was a disaster, which is now a huge hit. You don't, I don't know, you just sort of, you don't look back, you do the next thing. People remind you, you remind. What's, the, what's your favourite thing that I do? Anything? You ever watch me do anything? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? That was the most fun I've ever had. They asked me to do Doctor Who. They called me up and asked me, do you want to be in Doctor Who? I'm like, what? You want to play James Bond in Doctor Who is basically what they said in 1969. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And then I couldn't do it because Supernatural were like, oh, we've got the schedule problem. I'm like, and I was literally had to call them and say, I can't do this. And luckily a man called Marcus Wilson, who used to work on Taggart and worked on Doctor Who and stuff, said, hold on a second, are you working right now? I'm like, no. He says, when are you getting a plane on Saturday and we'll flip the schedule the other way around? I was like, then I got a phone call from Warner Brothers going, tell us you didn't just get on a plane. <laughs> I'm like, oh, maybe I should have asked some permission first. <laughs> So I had to call Sarah Gamble up, who was the showrunner at the time. I said, I think I just stuffed up really badly. She said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm kind of doing Doctor Who. She says, all right, I'll call you back. She goes back, goes, you're fine. I got a phone call from her first AD going, fine. Go to bloody England or Wales or wherever that you are. You better be back on Tuesday. <laughs> I'm like, I'll be back. So I flew backwards and forwards to do it. And Matt is lovely and Arthur's lovely and, and God. She's lovely. and They're all just amazing. They're all just so much fun to do. They used to sing in between shots to each other. Just like sort of weird choral singing. It was just pleasant people. And they're lovely to work with. Matt's a, you know, he's a wicked actor. Arthur's actually a wicked, really wicked actor. It was just fun to do. And watching him do it with no money. No money. And yet, 
absolutely all out. Because the way they make American television is based on the idea that you're actually shooting something that, that would take 10 or 12 days to shoot in eight days. So you have to work out how overtime works. So you now have to build overtime into how you make something happen. In England, because the unions got busted, you don't have overtime. So I said, it says we stop at seven o'clock. What happens if we go over? Oh, we don't go over. I mean, what do you mean you don't go over? So I don't go over. So why not? Because, well, we'd have to poll everybody and find out if they were busy. <laughs> what do you mean? So, I, I can't tonight. Uh, my auntie Mabel is coming over. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, really? Like, yeah. So they shoot in their time period and they get it right and they work damn hard to do it. And I remember standing out going, you know, so even in the green room, there's a, there's a, like a craft service area, whatever you call it. It's like, the idea, by the way, was invented by the Americans to stop union workers taking breaks. So we can go get food anytime you like. That was the idea. So you wouldn't have regimented breaks. So I was like, do you have a craft service table? They're like, no, we don't have one of those. <laughs> Would you like one? No, no, we don't want one of those. There's a girl who come around about four o'clock with a cup of tea and a biscuit. <laughs> I'm like, great. And she had a firefly tattoo on her ankle. <laughs> She's lovely. So it was just, it was a different way of doing things. It was a, and it was so much fun to do. Moffat said something brilliant about that afterwards because he said to play a character, uh, he said he was kind of, I think he said he was kind of uncomfortable with the gay characters that he'd written so far in the context of Captain Jack being almost a stereotype in a way of what it was that he was doing. And he, somebody interviewed him and it was, it was just fascinating. He goes, what was funny was none of those characters that I wrote represented anybody I knew that was gay. It was like, but he said, what was weird was he decided to write Canton. Although, so, so the fact that Canton was gay was a, was a big part of Canton's story, but it's not the only bloody thing we're dealing with with Canton in the entire thing, which I thought was a fascinating way to go. The payoff in, in the end of the second episode is so unmacho. And I'm like, no, it's brilliantly macho. It's because... You're finally not playing an effete character with an issue. It's like it's James Bond with an issue. It's kind of fun, which actually reflects, I thought it always reflected people like it better than the way it was done. So I've, I've, I love the fact that I could go to conventions and people would have a picture of me and Nixon, you know, me and Stuart as Nixon. It's like, me too. <laughs> or he is. It's kind of funny. It's just, uh, it's kind of cool. So there was a lot of stuff about that that was very different but you know also then there was the low budget element we had the oval office but you couldn't step on the carpet because it was only freshly painted we only have one with the eagle on it so if we're not shooting the floor can we please stay up on off that part of the carpet so it's very bbc my favorite bit was you know they have to fly you if you if you're traveling to work they have to you fly you first class it's a union thing so i'm expected to be able to get off a plane and go to work and so you know they booked me a flight and I get a phone call from some department of the BBC saying, hello, yes, this is the travelling something. We have to ask you a question. I say, sure, of course. What, what's the question? Would you be willing to fly premium economy? And I'm like, would I? She <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, is, is, is there an issue here? Go, oh, no, no, no. We're, we're just, we're a publicly funded company and we have to ask. <laughs> I'm like, let me ask you a question in response. Like, What's that? I said, has anybody ever said yes when you've asked them this question? No. I said, oh, well, <laughs> well, don't be surprised by my answer. <laughs> I always thought that was so quaint and brilliant and weird. You know, being English and having never really worked in England, apart from I did In the Name of the Father after I'd been working in America. A film with Jim Sheridan and Daniel Day-Lewis is a very different proposition than doing British TV or even American TV. It's a very, very different, it's a different world. It's a different setup around you. It's it's a bubble in a very different way. It's like a year of my life almost. 
So to come back and do Who in, in Cardiff is just like, oh, this is so much fun. Give you, they gave me my per diems. They gave me an envelope. And I was like, you know, you get money for every day so you can eat and stuff. So I got an envelope and it was 180 quid in it. And I was like, that's one, thank you very much. I said, like, how long is this for? Is this? And they're like, oh, shut up. I'm like, what do you mean, shut up? It's like, it's for the duration. 10 pounds a day. You pay me £10 a day to eat, make phone calls, wash my socks, do all that. I'm like, interesting. Hasn't changed in 25, 30 years? <laughs> so, no. I was like, oh, this is really funny. This is really quaint. I'm like, I've got money. I, don't, I didn't, didn't need the money, but I thought, oh, that's really cute. I just got paid £10 a day to eat. So I go over to the, uh, to the food bus, you know, the food bus. And there were a bunch of Aston Villa supporters. It was really funny. A bunch of thugs. Aston Villa. Great cooks. Food was amazing. Right, I thought I was expecting it all to be yellow, like all the food used to be in the BBC. I got up there and I get my breakfast. Oh, Mark, hey, it's nice to see you. Oh, here's your breakfast. Blah, blah, blah. That'd be two pounds, please. I'm like, what? You've got to pay two pounds for your breakfast. I'm like, really? I only just got given ten. <laughs> so I had to pay two pounds for breakfast, four pounds for lunch. They took six quid off me before I left the lot. I'm like, getting stuffed here. So, you know, and you realise that people... The hairdressers and the makeup artists that worked on that also worked on Treasure Island that my dad had done in Jamaica. And they're the same, they've been working for the BBC, but the same. But they've been getting the same mileage allowance since 1973. <laughs> so you realise after a while that a lot of people here make what they make from a sense of love and want and desire to make the best possible thing that it can make. It's not a cynical thing. It's not, you know, like sports or wherever where it's all, you know... It's, it's literally, to get this done is going to be impossible. We'll never have enough money. So how do we do it? And it's, it's lovely to watch that that was the way The Who was done, which is the same way as Supernatural is done, which is the same way as Firefly and Battlestar and everything else is done. You mentioned your father. You've worked with your father a couple of roles. You either played a universe and your father, your father played an other version of yourself quite a few times. Is it weird when you're both on set together? Does it have a different kind of feel to a normal... So directed when, you, when you're both there at the same I've directed, time? We weren't both there at the same time. I was there when... But if we're playing the same role, we're not there... Same time. Otherwise, it would be very confusing. <laughs> we have been at the same time, but I directed him in a film. Gave, I gave him a huge set of speeches to learn. But I gave him like two and a half weeks to learn it. I was like, it's okay. And he decided not to, not to learn the bits that said voiceover. Because he said, well, I'll just do them in the studio. I'm like, thanks for forcing my cuts. So like, now I have to not shoot you doing that. Oh, so you're telling me that's where I'm going to be cutting just because it says, that's what it says in the script. What's your problem? So there's this huge argument. It's like, go away. I've got headphones. So I'm walking away. He's bitching and moaning about me to the other two actors. I'm like, what am I going to say? Turn your microphone off when you're cursing out the director. So, sorry. No, it's just funny. You realise you're not immune from anything. NCIS was hysterical to do. They're like, do you want to come and do your dad's flashbacks? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's so much fun to do. And then who came about because they said, so when are you going to be able to come over and do the prosthetics? I'm like, oh, what, the old, uh, the older, oh, why don't you just call my dad? <laughs> and they went, do you think he'd do it? I'm like, of course he'd do it. It's Doctor Who, it'd be hysterical. <laughs> He's like, so I called him up. He's like, oh, sure. I didn't ask him. I just said, sure, you'll do it. No problem at all. So I called him. I said, oh, you're going to do Doctor Who? He goes, oh, it's not all bloody cardboard and string still, is it? I said, no, it's actually very good. You'll enjoy it. He goes, oh, I saw a bit. So I saw a bit on BBC America. It's very good, actually. So I like that Matt Smith boy. It's very good. So he got to play with him. He loves him. It's so much fun. Going back over your filmography, you've actually done a, a, quite a good mix of both prime dramas and um, things like Supernatural, Warehouse 13. Do you... Do you have a preference for doing sort of the realistic NCIS 
CSI thing or the kind of the more fanciful supernatural and sliders and sliders. Well you threw that one in. <laughs> <laughs> Got kicked in the face and that one. What was funny about sliders is we shot that on the lot at Universal and we had to stop filming for the trams to be able to go past full of tourists. <laughs> it's when you realise that the trams going past full of tourists make more money than the television show. It's when you've been humbled by the idea of what we're actually doing here. You know, the theme park makes more money than, than the television station. The thing about sci-fi and quote-unquote genre shows is that it involves a large amount of imagination and what-if and, and that's a fascinating thing to do. And even the stuff that's placed in history... It's still imagination and what if. And it's, you build a world, you inhabit the world. And I've been very lucky in that stuff. But I've always, always found there's very little difference between that and the stuff that I've done in 24 NCIS or CSIs. I mean, the, C, the, the, C, the last CSI episode I did was written by two writers from Battlestar. <laughs> <laughs> and the joke is my character's name is the name of the Russian premiere in Doctor Strangelove. David Weddle and, and his writing partner wrote that episode, which is hysterical. I got to play with Lawrence Fishburne. I went and did, went and did uh, Las Vegas, because it's like, do you want to go hang out with James Caan and Alec Baldwin for a week? <laughs> and my job was just to get them to tell stories. The director couldn't come anywhere near him until the story had finished. Absolutely most hysterical stuff going on. Foul-mouthed. Awful. Brilliantly funny stuff for a week. But storytelling, storytelling. If you've got to... If you've got to in the Name of the Father was my first film when I, I, I met the man that I played. But it's still imagination and trying to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances. It's just more fun, I guess, if you get to kill six or seven billion people. <laughs> people are like, so what did you do to prepare your role for Crowley? I was like, yeah, I went out and murdered people and tortured all my friends. <laughs> it's all what if, you know? It's all kind of what if. I don't know. Maybe I'm still just playing the same role over and over again. Oh, God. So depressing. <laughs> I, said, I told this story yesterday. It was my favourite thing ever. It was a woman from TV Guide. who was on the TV Guide boat in San Diego. She was, she was setting up the interview. It was the 74th interview of the day. And Misha and myself had come in and sat down at the end of the boat. And it's hot and sticky and the sun is shining at Comic-Con. We're on the water and everybody's been... Down there. She's not even looking. She's like, fine. Is there a camera? Yes, great, wonderful. She goes, okay, okay we're rolling? Yes. And she looks up for the first time at me and goes, so, what's left for you? <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? She meant what's next for you, but she said what's left for you. And I, unfortunately, that just keeps ringing in my ears every time I'm not working. <laughs> what's left for me? There's always King Lear. King Lear. King Lena. No, I never wanted to do King Lear. That's not what I would do. I'm much more likely to play a fool or a... So I've got an idea. Me and Tony Lee have an idea for something that we're trying to do, so... We'll see if that comes off. That would be something really fun to do. I'd love to do a series in England. I'd love to do a series in England. Maybe I got to the point where I want to do a Luther or a Cracker or something that's just brilliant. Maybe we have to write it, which we may be doing. But Or, you know, it's, it's time for me to do something that I love in that context. Because I never worked here. I've never done anything here. I've come so close to doing stuff. But who and, and the bits of the In Them and Father that we did in Manchester and Liverpool were the only stuff I've done here. Never acted in this country. It's weird, isn't it? It'd be nice to come back and play some pompous ass that went to America and came back and, you know, oh, you're back then. <laughs> it's nice and hot in America, is it? Birmingham. Love Birmingham, me. Why is it rubbish with Geeky Brummy? <laughs> we won't mention Callum's 
an appreciation of Kate Bush, one of the greatest artists of the 80s. I mean, that one was all right. Greatest artist of all just time. Meh. Callan. She's meh. Callan, you are rubbish. Callan, you are... You are <laughs> Your face and my fist are fastly approaching each other. You just have bad taste, guy. Your music no. taste is... <laughs> We're not friends anymore. You can't even begin to when comprehend. When we ever friends? But how good my music taste <laughs> Shall is. Shall we get back to the feature? <sighs> why God. is rubbish calendar? <laughs> guy, why is something rubbish to you this week? You know, like when you see uh, a trailer for a film and it says only in cinemas. Mm-hmm. But it's never only in cinemas, is it? Because it's eventually going to get released on DVD and Blu-ray. Only and in cinemas Sky. at this present moment in time. Yeah, I hate that. Why do you use the term only in cinemas? It's never just going to be... Because I would think with that term, that is only. It's like, you know... You know what? I blame this on Ben Wheatley. What, the Who? guy from who did Free Fire? I blame it on Ben Wheatley because he released a field in England simultaneously at the cinema. It was shown on film four. And it was DVD. Oh, but that's a on good the film. Same day. It's a really good film. It's it's not. A, it's it's an interesting film. That's a great. Do you know that scene in it when uh, Reece Shearsmith comes out from being hypnotized and he looks genuinely psychotic? It's one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in cinema. <laughs> it it's... was a very strange movie. But he he was the first person to do simultaneous release on streaming, TV, film, and DVD at the same time. Okay. So like here's the reason why. Every trailer must now come with only in cinemas. Well, I saw a trailer for a Melissa McCarthy film recently. That's right, Melissa McCarthy film. I watched that trailer. Um, <laughs> but he said only in cinemas. And it's kind of like, yeah, but it's not going to be only in cinemas. You say the word only, there's an expectation that is the only place that is going to be. Forever. So it's like this, this gallery is mm. only at the Icon Gallery. Yeah. You, you know, I, I decide to only marry you forever. You know, this is like, it's like only is a word where you expect that to be the only place. Like you can only get... Only lives the, with never, basically. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it can just. I feel like this could be fixed quite easily by just putting a little asterisk next to it, what? and then just saying no. they can choose. I mean, even shorter word which says now. There you go. Now, now in, in cinemas. cinemas. Yeah, or it's soon in cinemas. It's just a really stupid technique. It's kind of like only in cinemas. Yeah, but it's kind of like give it like four months time. It's going to be on DVD. It's, don't look at like HMV. It's like the Han Solo trailer when that came out, saying it's on some American holiday day, and it's like, well, what's that mean to the rest of the known universe? Yeah, I think this this problem has been exasperated by Sky doing a film called Hurricane Heist. Oh God! Now I saw an advertisement for this yesterday on on Sky, and it basically went, you could go to the cinema to watch this, but wouldn't you rather just be at home watching it on Sky Cinema? It was basically just going, yeah, don't bother. It's, it's, it's on like, telly. Your telly is big enough at home now that you don't have to have a giant screen. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know who they dredged out Maggie Grace for that? Old Shannon from Lost. I used to fancy mm. Shannon from Lost so much. I don't really you get used to fancy movie. everyone. Oh, sorry, I'm the man who, every woman loves me. <laughs> yes, every woman loves me. Not I love every woman. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody, every woman loves Coming soon from Callan Danes. I love every woman. <laughs> it's only Callan Danes, only available to everyone. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what your girlfriend thinks when she listens to this show. Like, but it, going back to the cinema thing as well, another thing that's really, really, really annoying me at the moment is when they put the month before the day. That's an American thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Coming February 20th. No, it's the 20th of February. <laughs> if you're not yeah. going to bother to do if you're bothering to release a UK version of a trailer put a UK version of the date in I mean that's less annoying than saying it's released on an American holiday no because they then put the American date on the thing so you're like well is it is it the 11th of October or 
Tenth mm. of November. Oh yeah, that's that's T- annoying. Tell me, tell me which one it is. Explain to me which day it is. Day, date, month. Keith, what's annoying to you this week? It's, it's related in a way to Isle of Dogs, but also back to another animated film I quite liked from a while back. Um, film companies releasing promotional action figures as just a giveaway through websites that never give them to me. <laughs> Uh, even though I apply and do the competitions. So um, a while back there was a um, beautiful uh, Kubo statue, mm-hmm. which got given to podcasts with with um, smaller viewing figures than we've got. Very expensive. Um, but, and they've, they've just done the Isle of Dogs set, uh, which I've tried to blag off uh, Fox Searchlight and said, please give me some of these action figures. But as far as I know, they're not going to be released as an actual toy I can go out and buy. It's like, don't tease me. I want, I want my Kubo statue and my Isle of Dogs collection of, of action figures, but I can't buy them. They did look like they were pretty much hero models from the movie, though. They were like that insanely detailed. It looked, it looked like something that you get from Hot Toys or NECA. Yeah, but it's like at least you've got the option to, to, to buy those. It's like, well, you know, and giving them as promotional giveaways as well is it's nice, but it's, you know, it's exclusivity and things. But, you know, if, if it's kind of like a hand-sculpted... Uh, original prop or something yeah by all means give those away but if you've gone to the effort of making like a vinyl action figure or something yeah, make it available to buy i want to mm-hmm. i want to buy those does toys not, i mean does that not make it seem more special especially when like on the resale when like that when because we know people <laughs> tend to sell these things well the so. thing the thing is we know that most of the people that are that are trying to win these things on online are just going to sell them on yeah for an exorbitant uh, exorbitantly uh, increased price um, but yeah, it's like, you know, you know, make it just, you know, I was just, I had I sour grapes because I haven't got some. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but it's, it's rubbish that I haven't got the option to go into a shop and go, I'd like to buy chief and Duke and boss, please. Yes. Um, or, or the Kubo statue, which kind of opened up and had lights and got everything. That I mean, really nice. I, I, I can't hate on you too much for that because I'm that person that is like, as soon as I can't get something, I'm a bit like, oh, well, I wanted that. Or make them good quality, at least. I mean, there's been some movie tie-ins that you can buy the figures for and they've been atrocious. But these have been really good, so I'd like the option. Mr. Danes, why is something rubbish to you this week? I mean, for the most part, my week's been pretty good, so well, I haven't had that much girlfriend rubbish. Drove you around, and you were living with your parents. And, you know. <laughs> yes, my parents are lovely. My girlfriend is lovely. Is she a lovely lady. She's She's lovely, a lovely woman. Lovely woman. <laughs> She's a lovely. <laughs> um, no, but what's rubbish to me this week is shops that have things on promotion, but that they don't stock enough of. So, like, you know, when you see like adverts for stuff. And so, like, they'll have, like, a special price on something. Oh, I have something. Oh, we have this brand new special new thing. And it's, like, nothing special. But for some reason, they still manage to sell out. And, like, you think that they would be able to, like, gauge demand a bit more. And so, like, I don't know. I had to go food shopping the other week. And all I could get... And I couldn't get the bread I wanted. And I couldn't get the milk I wanted. Because they didn't have... No, I couldn't get tea bags I wanted either. It's just a joke. Right. It's do, like, you, oh do you know why stuff gets put on special offer? I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you a lesson here today. Be valuable <laughs> advice to take home. Yes, shops have something called loss leaders, which means they'll buy in a product at more than it costs. Uh, uh, sorry, and they'll sell it at less than it costs. So they will lose money on every problem with these products they sell. That's why they have a short amount of them. That's why they advertise them. It's to get you into the shop. 
Yeah, I know, but it's just... It's, it's a marketing technique. It's just irritating. Because it's like, it's only like tea bags. It's like, it's not that special. But like, if they're going to advertise a tea bag, so look at this box of tea bags, it's a pound instead of three pounds. People are just going to go and buy them because it's a pound. I mean, they're, they're Yorkshire tea bags. So they're not like the cheapest tea bags. Like... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna promote the shop, but stop saying teabag. <laughs> <laughs> for a student, you like the finer things in life, don't you? No it's red like, label for you. No, only the finer. Red label's thing nice. Red label's good. Red label's like the we'll second buy those best instead, then. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't go to that shop that does red label. I have something non-geeky, but still very annoying in this modern day and age. We are now living in 2018. Me you know that? Yes, me and my <laughs> me and my beautiful wife. We are looking for a. New home at the moment. We're looking at possibly moving. So an estate agent rings me on Thursday after I book my appointment with the estate agent and said, I want to come and view this property. And they say, yes, when would you like to come and view it? And I said, oh, Saturday afternoon, Sunday, an evening in the week. We're open Monday to Friday, 9 till 5. Yeah, Is this awful. possible? <laughs> it's awful. It's going to let you know. No, I have to earn the money to, to be able to afford to buy said property so you could work at weekends so I could buy property. You know, and I had the same when I moved out. And it's like, who in this modern day and age when you work in a service industry, which estate agents are, only open office hours? I mean, could you not go during a lunch break? He, he, doesn't, understand, <laughs> he doesn't understand what it's like to Can't, work. I work it? in the city centre. Yes. Uh, my lunch break is one hour. Yeah. I get half an hour. So to go from somewhere... To view a property which takes about half an hour gives me 15 minutes either side. Yeah. The property I'm looking at is not 15 minutes away from my workplace. Ah. How well, about. I like something just clicked. <laughs> <laughs> I see the problem there. Yes. Um, how about. Because I am not Bill or Ted and do not own a magical phone box that can transport me around the world. <laughs> and your name's not Billy Wizzy. <laughs> well, could you not, could you not like, take uh, a day off? I'm not Barry like, Allen. Yeah, but the thing is, Callie, you don't want to use a precious day of annual leave for a house you might not buy. Well, no, but you could... Could you not organise a bunch of your bookings into the same day and then just spend a day of going around and viewing houses? Yeah, it's called a Saturday. You this could, isn't you... Kirsty and Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can tell Canon has not had to do a full-time job at the moment. <laughs> See, where, yes. where estate agents could do well in here is doing yeah. this by VR. Yes, yes. So it's like, I'll wander around the house for you with a camera and a feed, and you say, oh, can you go a bit closer to that? So you can you can take it in, because most people just have a good reaction oh, to that's something. That's another thing as well. Virtual tours on the stage, agent. I want a virtual tour of the house. I do not want the same pictures I have just looked at in with terrible music. <laughs> not even in 360, just with terrible music in the background. It's like, yes, I've just seen these pictures. Thank you very much. I did not need a musical accompaniment for this picture and your phone number at the end. All this information is already available on your page. Companies could do well with doing like a Facebook Live of a house. So like they say, at this time, we will be viewing this house and then just do a... Mm-hmm. But anyway, to recap, going? Uh, only in cinemas. F- Keith? Promotional items not available to buy. Callum? Um, promotional items that are available to buy, sort of, but sold out. And for me, office hours in this day and age. Thank you for listening to the Geeky Brimmy podcast this week. Don't forget you can find us all online on Twitters, Instagrams and Facebooks. You can find Keith Bloomfield at Hardlock underscore Hotel on Twitter and all the others. You can find Philip Ellis at Philip underscore Ellis. Look for the ginger guy with the blue tick. You can find Nate Crowley at Frog Crookley. 
You can find Guy Halford at Guy underscore Halford on Twitter and Vinyl Guy H on Instagram, where he takes lots of pictures of records. And you can find Callan at Danes Radio. Don't forget you can find me, myself, Mr. Ryan Parrish, at Ryan Parrish. Yes, I'm too good for the underscore. And you can find us all at Geeky Brummy on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all your podcasting services. Don't forget you can find the show live every week on Brum Radio at midday. And you can find us again on Mixcloud on the Listen Again feature. If you like today's show, please give us a review. Just drop one down which podcasting services you're using. And thanks very much for joining us. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you'd like to join our listener supporters, please join us at patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio.